Hi, my name is Gary Myers. And I'm Joe Fondo. And we're the host of the Answering the Call podcast. And this is the podcast where we talk to people who are answering God's call. In this episode, Marilyn talks to Dylan Diaz. He is a current NOBTS student who grew up in a New Age slash atheistic home. And he also became a Christian because of apologetics. Dylan says the Apologetic Study Bible, among other things, was a significant factor in him becoming a Christian. And he recalls God using a specific article by our own Bob Stewart. Listen to him as he talks about his journey. And so, here's Dylan. Dylan, you grew up with a single mom, and I know you've told me about your father, uh, even your half-brother's father, but I, I just wanted to hear a little bit more about how your home life uh, perhaps influenced what you thought about God. And, the, and people, I think, don't realize that children are very much impacted in how they see God by the things that go on in their family life. So tell me about that. Yeah, I think absolutely a child looks up to their parents um, for not only their beliefs about God, but also how their parents model who God is. And I think both of those were very um, influential in my life uh, on both sides, on not only what my parents um, or step-parents or, you know, um, those figures in my life, not only what they stated they believed, but also what they lived out. Mm. And how they responded to you, loved you, that type of thing. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I would say that, uh, my mom, um, she has always been a believer, I would say. And, um, and her faith is probably, I mean, was responsible for, for me ultimately coming to a place of, uh, receiving Christ as my Lord and Savior, which didn't happen until much later in life. And after I had been exposed to some more solid biblical teaching and doctrine and, um, just seeing the gospel proclaimed clearly and lived out um, by others. And that didn't happen until um, I until I was um, a young man. Mm. Um, a teenager? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, your mom sounds like she was really a, a very good mother, very attentive, uh, devoted to you. And you grew up with, um, with your mom and then a half-brother. Am I right? Right. And his name is Johnny. Uh, his name is John or okay. Johnny. Johnny, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, but um, the men in your life that filled that father role, who are they? Um, so, well, there's, of course, my biological father, uh, my dad. And um, and so growing up, I would go to my dad's house every other weekend. And, um, and to someone who grew up with uh, parents who were married or who were together, um, this may seem odd to them, but for me, it seemed normal. Um, I would just... Uh, only spend every other weekend with my dad. And on the other weekends, um, I would spend them with my brother's dad, uh, Johnny's dad. Um, he was John Sr. Um, and that was just life. That was uh, how I grew up. Um, it was normal. Hmm. And there were a lot of different uh, ideas about God or if God existed or um things like that. So what, what were some of the ideas you were hearing as you were growing up from the different, from your extended families and from John? Tell me some about that. Well, I remember I was, I must have been like 11 or 12 when uh, my dad took me on a trip um, to Miami. I remember uh, going with him and we talked about life. And um, I think that was the first time I remember him telling me 
that um, he had um, kind of become an evolutionist, uh, yeah. naturalistic um, atheist uh, who, you know, believes in evolution and that, you know, there's probably or certainly no God and that that's um, where he was going. And then since that time, uh, he's become more and more um, uh, persuaded in that direction. Um, my my stepdad, uh, Johnny's dad, um, John Sr., he – so he – he may have believed in God, but not in the traditional sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember being at, uh, at his house and, uh, particularly, um, when he remarried, um, to a lovely woman named Trina, um, they, they, um, they are both kind of, um, into the, the new age spiritual spirituality movement. Mm-hmm. And, uh, actually, um, so my stepdad's dad, um, so John's uh, father, right? And uh, his name is John too. Yeah. This, <laughs> Lots of this Johns. Is, right? There's actually four of them. So, um, well, anyway, so uh, my my brother's grandpa, who you know, I also called grandpa. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the co-founder of an international magazine called Natural Awakenings, which is um, half you know, it's part um, healthy living and part like New Age spirituality. So. Um, so when I, when I would hang out with Johnny's dad and his wife, Trina, um, I would particularly hear things like, you know, what, what you're learning about God and church, you know, that may not necessarily be true. Really? And, mm-hmm. um, and that, um, you know, God, like I, I remember particularly, um, they would frequent a website called um, Conscious Media Network or something like that. Mm-hmm. And there would be all sorts of crazy stuff on there about, mm-hmm. um, like, Christ is not necessarily, like, Jesus is not necessarily uh-huh. God. But there is, if if we're going to talk about that, um, maybe it would be more helpful to think of Christ as some sort of incarnation or some sort of uh spirit that reincarnates throughout history through different wise teachers and different um wise men and and so forth so they separated the person the man jesus from this spirit this idea and you use the word reincarnation so did they look at it as um a type of idea that could be passed down or reincarnated into other people was it something that every person could participate in how did they did they see it just showing up maybe in one person or many people when they talked about reincarnation um so i i wouldn't say that they necessarily themselves talked to me about all this mm-hmm. but i knew generally what they believed yeah, and i knew yeah. the resources that they that yeah. they um you know uh supported or um you know were uh in step with um so so despite them never, you know, saying word for word all of this, sure. um, I think I, I think they generally believe that Christ was probably a good teacher, probably mm-hmm. a very spiritual person, maybe even with supernatural power. I see. Um, but if he was anything divine, um, it was certainly nothing that um, other key uh, historical figures did not also uh, reach a level of. Um, or that even something that we could not um, yes. reach. Yeah. Okay. So this must have been um, hard to think through as a child. And um, 
Children, you mentioned, are very much influenced by what their parents believe and live out. Do you remember that being very confusing to you as a child? Did it raise a lot of questions for you? Yes, I think so. I remember being just in my room. I would wake up on a Saturday morning or something. Um, uh, This was, I think this was after the time that um, both my stepdad had moved away and after I had stopped uh, visiting my dad so much because uh, my younger siblings were born. Mm -hmm. And and so there wasn't as much space for me to go sleep over there. Well, anyway. And that was around um, age 12. Yeah, around that age or something. And I would just wake up and just kind of think to myself, like, what, what really is out there? What, you know, is there a God? Is there not? Is there an afterlife? Is there, you know, what's the point of it all? And all these sorts of things. And that would be a regular thing. And, um, and as I mentioned, uh, not only did my stepdad, um, move away Mm -hmm. and I was in many ways closer to him than my, my biological dad, um, simply because, uh, he was the only one out of the two that actually would play with me. Mm, um, he was the only, he was, he was the more fun. Um, and I, I think in some ways I kind of rejected my dad before and didn't really give him enough of a chance. I see. Um, although I do, I do also think that my dad could have tried much harder. Um, so I wasn't so close with my dad. And, uh, when, uh, he remarried, um, and, you know, we didn't spend as much time together. Um, I really had no father figure in my life. And that, that was kind of, uh, I don't know how to put it. It was a defining wound, if mm-hmm. I, if I could, um, borrow someone else's words. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. So the, um, your mom was very attentive, very loving, but not having this father figure in your life, how did it make you feel? Did you feel lonely? Yes, um, lonely would be probably the best word that I could I could describe it. And it's interesting how this loneliness played out in my wife. Um, my mom was vexed because she didn't know how to handle these episodes of anxiety that I would have as a child. And the thing that would trigger it would be any time that I thought about the subject of what happens after I die. You know, even if I go to heaven... Um, I, as a child, cannot fathom an eternity that felt worth living in because of the loneliness that I had inside. Uh-huh. And um, to this day, I I even still uh, feel that fear, that anxiety sometimes of, you know, what sure. what sort of future out there, even if God is real, even if there is a heaven, um, how can it be truly perfect? You know, um, how can you truly feel uh, satisfied or content with a span of time that is infinite i mean that's that's a that's a freaky thing to think about (laughs) and of course all of that then was just made worse because you felt very lonely right exactly and you couldn't imagine living living forever with that kind of lonely feeling yeah i guess so and i couldn't i like I would not be able to articulate that as a child. Sure. That wasn't a realization sure. I had until after I had encountered the love of Christ and really processed, awesome. you know, what is it that I've been missing? What is it that, like, like the only thing that comforts me now to this day, if I think about that question, is knowing that Christ is in heaven and the only sort of heaven that can be worth living in for eternity would be one where there is a perfect... um a perfect father who, you know, 
has perfect relationship mm-hmm. and love yes. um, for a person. And, yeah. And, you know, that's very interesting because um, I have run into people who talk about that, too, as if heaven, who would want to spend all that time. And I think part of it is, and I've even heard people make a joke and say, who wants to sit around playing a harp all that time? (laughs) And uh, interestingly enough, it came from someone who is in a, um, a group that claims to be Christian, but is not. And um, so they didn't have, they don't have any idea. They can't fathom what it would be like to be in Jesus's presence. And I think that's partly because this particular group doesn't value Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that that's an interesting an interesting idea. Um, and I, I can see a child maybe being frightened by that. I think you told me once about um, one night, one particular episode when you were <laughs> watching TV. Yeah. Uh, tell me more about that. Um, so I was just watching a show. Um, I was by myself. Uh, I don't remember where my brother was. He might have been asleep or something. My mom had gone out with some friends, and sometimes she wouldn't come home till the next day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I really missed her. And um, uh, so I didn't connect that with the fact that I was alone. I wasn't thinking about that. All I knew was I was watching a show, and some characters died in that show, um, or they were threatened with death. I don't remember. But I remember um, vividly, for the first time, really asking myself the question, what happens when this is all over? Hmm. You know, what's going to happen to me? And that terrified me. Hmm. And at first, it was just the fear of eternal nothingness. I mean, that's that's pretty scary, um, you know, just vanishing thing, into nothing. And you were a child. I was maybe like 10 or 11. I don't know. Huh. Probably, I think that's pretty young to be thinking about all I, that. I think that is. And um, so you were... You just imagined it as just nothing. You had no real concept of what it might be. Go ahead. Right. And, um, and so, so finally, uh, oh yeah, I was like calling my mom over and over on the phone or something. I don't remember. Um, and, uh, finally when, uh, when I saw her and we talked about it, um, so she, she comforted me. Uh, as best as she could, um, she bought a resource, uh, a book that talked about eternal life. And it was actually a near-death experience book. Um, I think it was titled Into the Light or something like that. And uh, in in this near-death experience, um, this person experienced what it was like to go to heaven. And on their way to heaven, they saw all these other people in transition. And they were people from all different religions and all different backgrounds and you know, each person's religion and spirituality was, you know, their way of to getting get to God, yes. you know, and all these roads connect and each person's religion is just meeting them where they are so that they can hmm. get to the next level um, or get closer to God. And um, and then this book also described what heaven was like and it was very detailed, very, um, very imaginative. Well, I mean. <laughs> it was written by a man um, who had a near-death experience. Uh, a woman, actually. A woman, um, Okay. And um, it was very profound and very awe-inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet even that did not comfort me for some reason. Mm. So then I graduated from the fear of eternal nothingness to the fear of eternal something. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> and that was really difficult 
and I even talked to uh, my mom brought me to talk to the pastor of um, of a small Lutheran church that we attended, um, and that that didn't do much to comfort me either for some reason. Do you remember what he said to you? I honestly really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I remember very little about it. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe I felt like the point that I was trying to communicate didn't quite get across or something. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. Well, I think a lot of people have trouble communicating to children. True. And then children have ideas that the adult may not even know they're thinking. So it is a little hard to communicate with children. And, of course, this was all before you were confirmed in the Lutheran Church. Right. Am I right? Uh, I think that's right. It was it was either before or right around the right same around, time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, so – so this was an important time in your life, uh, maybe a two-year period there, but there were changes changes in your life. Uh, your biological father was kind of more out of the picture. Your half-brother's father, your stepfather uh, moved away. And so do you think that made your fears worse? Did it, did it just kind of come to a head at that time? Uh, it's possible. Um I think, yeah, I think that that's true. Although um, I may have had less frequent spells of anxiety, mm-hmm. I think that fear and that loneliness manifested in different ways. And by this point, it began to manifest in my life um, in sinful behavior. Okay. Uh, I sought all sorts of worldly pleasures, worldly achievement, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, I had this inferiority thing because, I mean, the place I grew up was Naples, Florida, and, you know, some kids would drive their, you know... <laughs> Fancy cars. Right, yeah. Nice I don't cars. know. Just everyone else, <laughs> I, I, despite being in the most advanced classes as you can possibly be in, in one of the best schooling systems in the country, um, I felt like I did not belong there, mm-hmm. um, even though I was doing as well as as anybody else that was, you know... That by all means, from a worldly perspective, came from a better uh, starting place. Um, well, you had a lot of questions. Yes, I think your mind must have been very active. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, throughout all middle school and high school, uh, I was exploring kind of like a, a worldly um, lifestyle, and and in the middle of all that, um, you know, uh, hearing things from other other teenagers um, from uh the internet just just being exposed to so much um i couldn't even pinpoint really where i was on a theological or mm-hmm. um you know uh philosophical um i was i was a bit of everything yeah. honestly yeah well it sounds like in your family you had of course atheism and right. some new age influence um Anything else? What are what are some other beliefs? What did they say hmm. about, um, um, for example, who we are as people? If you you mentioned your father uh, moving towards naturalism, uh, what did other people in your family talk about when they talked about what human nature is or who we are? Did they talk much about that? Um, in terms of human nature, I think it was generally assumed that people are fundamentally good. Okay. And that, you know, only the really, really bad people may be at risk of some sort of everlasting punishment. I see. Okay. Um, so 
most of my family, of course, has Catholic roots. Um, we're a Hispanic family. That, yes. that kind of just comes with the territory, maybe. Uh, I don't know if that's universally true of Hispanics. But anyway, so, sure. mo- um, so on both my mom and my dad's side, a lot of them, a lot of my family have rejected their Catholic roots and, and delve deep into atheism and mm. naturalism and antagonism even towards uh, religion, uh, particularly Christianity, for whatever reason. Mm. Do you know why? Do you have any ideas to what brought on those different feelings, that change in ideas? You know, I've, I've never really thought about that, but if mm-hmm. I were to say, if I were to just um, guess, I, I would guess that, that that could be because a lot of them have have gone through similar experiences. Sure. Um, our family, both on my dad's and my mom's side, um, like at, as many generations as I can think back, there have always been broken families. Okay. Broken families without um, without loving father figures. Um, you know, even abusive situations. Um, I mean. Only my my family has only been in the United States for two generations, okay. um, or or only one generation on on my dad's side, mm-hmm. and you know sometimes I wonder about did they move here because they were trying to escape something or um, you know what there are so many family secrets sure. it's hard to to unravel them all. Hmm, very interesting. Well, it sounds like there's been a lot of change, a lot of. Turmoil in the sense that um, uh, you're not committed to one place, one identity, one right, religion, yeah. kind of all over the place. Yeah, um, and our family geographically is all over the place. I yeah. mean, they're in Chicago, they're in California, they're in Florida, mm. um, other places, mm. New Orleans now. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Well, I guess it's hard to um, come to grips with God as a – uh, as a supreme being who's in, who oversees and loves everything when you have these bits and pieces to life. Would you say that's true where maybe there's an absent father or where there are relationships that are broken? Does, I guess that makes it harder to see God as truly loving and truly in control. I would absolutely say that. And when I look at my family, I like the individuals that I can think of that had the worst relationships with their their earthly fathers mm-hmm. um those are the ones i think that have had the hardest time um giving christianity or giving any sort of theological um you know any sort of theism uh, a fair chance hmm. because they just can't imagine it just doesn't um it's kind of wishful thinking mm-hmm. and i think that that absolutely has to do with um their experiences, uh, whether they would admit that or not. Interesting. All right, so let's talk about um, how you came to faith in Christ and what made the difference. Um, talk about that journey. Oh, boy. So um, the way I came to Christ was, I would probably say, is unconventional, although I've heard other people with the same story, so maybe not. Um <laughs> Well, you know, similar at least. The turning point was when I was at the age of 17. And um, by that point, I had really made some decisions that I would later regret. Um, As I said, I was living uh, a very sinful, worldly lifestyle. Um, I had uh, 
I had somehow in <laughs> in my short time in my short lifetime gone through so many like um just just painful broken relationships with other people um and uh relationships like romantically and somehow when I was at the age of 17 somehow I persuaded this girl to date me uh and she was a Christian yes and I was kind of sort of a Christian but I was also kind of sort of um a universalist and um you know you had lots of ideas going all on all sorts in your mind. of yeah. I mean mm-hmm. eastern eastern spirituality new age um I mean I I wasn't even persuaded there was a god necessarily mm-hmm. um possibly even soft atheism at one point or another and um so I was kind of agnostic, but I was also kind of a Christian and kind of everything. So um, somehow I persuaded this girl to date me, and finally um, she went along with it. And uh, that ended up, for what it was, um, God used that somehow. And uh, I began um, going to her church kind of just to get closer to her, um, you know, not necessarily for any reason other than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but being there... Um, for the first time, I saw other people who were my age who were really living the gospel and um, coming to church because they wanted to and not because it was a ritual or because it was a tradition mm-hmm. or any sort of thing. I mean, hopefully at least. And um, and I remember being at a weekend event, um, like a, a Disciple Now weekend, D-Now, whatever, um, and there was a speaker who um, – you know, I had been hearing the gospel over and over. I mean, I, I had in some ways heard it um, growing up all sure, my life, um, sure. but I was hearing it again. And for the first time, it wasn't just um, a nice story or it wasn't just, you know, something that kind of sort of made sense. It was something that I desperately needed. And mm-hmm. I had never felt that before. Um, and it wasn't all at one moment. It was kind of a process. But I remember responding to an invitation to um, either – you know, receive the Lord for the first time or rededicate or whatever you'd call it. And, uh, I responded to that not knowing even what it all meant per se. Um, but since that time I began reading scripture seriously for the first time and being convicted of sin and, um, trusting in Christ for forgiveness and salvation and seeing just how different his ways are because I had made a, a, a big mess of my life in in some pretty major ways by then. Um, at my lowest point, I had um, complete, almost completely destroyed my relationship uh, with my mom, who was the only you know positive adult figure in my life on a close level. Uh, I had betrayed uh, my best friend, um, who went from being the person I hung out with, you know, every waking moment to um, to being a complete enemy. And, uh, the way I had betrayed him was I, I basically began dating, um, his ex-girlfriend. Ah, and, always a girl involved. Right. <laughs> and, you know, when you have these kind of questions in your life and you're looking for something, this is not unusual to have broken relationships around you. Right. And so, um, I had basically given up everything for this, for this girl. And this isn't the Christian girl. This is before that. Um, this was the first girl that I ever was like truly in love with or felt committed to in some way or like I want to spend the rest of my life with this person. And um, she happened to be a universalist and um, and she happened to be someone who 
um, was not ultimately um, good for me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see it at the time, um, but I became so torn, particularly because um, her and my mom just could not get along. Mm-hmm. Um, for so sp- more, more turmoil. Right. More... Stress in relationships. Right. And um, I felt so torn that I actually wanted to end my life at Mm -hmm. at probably my lowest point. I mean, I was, I had it planned out. um, And I thought in doing so, I could somehow prove that I was genuine, that I really didn't want to have to choose between the two. And that uh, I really was, you know, trying to do, Uh. you know, I wasn't trying to just make a mess out of things like I was sincere. Um, And obviously that wasn't the way to do that. And uh, thankfully my mom got me help. And um, So it sounds like to me that that point was a way to try to find your way through a lot of brokenness, through a lot of broken relationships. And um, I think a lot of people can relate to that. As you have one broken relationship, you tend to have more. Right. So let me go back to then uh, you you started going to this evangelical church, and then you made this profession of faith, but you still had a lot of questions. Yes. What did you do about those questions? Oh, gosh. I huh? hounded my girlfriend <laughs> for answers. I mean, she had, she had grown up in a believing home, a good home, mm-hmm. and um, – and I had questions because there had just been so much. I mean, I remember being in class one time and the bell had just rung, completely unrelated to anything I had just learned. And uh, I was facing out as normal. And um, and I was on my way to my next class. And I just thought the first thing, the, it, just this thought popped into my head out of nowhere. Like, is the future determined or not? Or like, does the future exist? And um, I just had all kinds of crazy questions like that. Um, Philosophical type questions. Right, yeah. And so I would would hound my my girlfriend at the time um, with just questions like, for instance, uh, you know, what happens to those who never hear the gospel? Mm -hmm. Um, And it was amazing the sort of like outlandish solutions that I could come up with um, by kind of synergizing – Everything you've been around, yeah, all, all of these different right, influences. All yeah. that sort of stuff yeah. um, with Christian faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, come to think of it, there was actually a journal that I had started keeping around the time um, that I had been with the previous girl who, um, you know, that relationship had been mm-hmm. very rocky mm-hmm. um, or turbulent or whatever. And, um, and I remember keeping a journal, actually, that um, – that uh, it was interesting. Looking back on it years later, I kind of saw the progression of thought that was going on. Really? And I remember right after I had been dumped by the girl who, you know, I'd kind of given up everything for. Mm-hmm. Um, and not for, not even for uh, very wrong reasons. I mean, she had very good reason to, to be dumped. I mean, I, there were just aspects to that relationship that were just very destructive on both ends. And sure, anyway. Sure. Um, none the, uh, despite how wrong I thought it was, um, she left. And after that point, I, I really began wrestling even more. And I remember thinking I, I'd written down and I was, I was reading this years later. Um, it wasn't so much her necessarily that I think I wanted so badly that I was, you know, suicidal for, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. 
uh, it was almost an idea of her. And maybe actually it wasn't even about her at all or even an idea of her. You know, maybe there's some some bigger transcendent thing out there that I'm after. And I'm not sure if that's God or what that is. And I had written all this down like right after that. And then and then a few months at, uh, uh, beyond that, um, or I, I don't remember if it was months or a year, uh, I had written something like just just taking a spiritual inventory, like what do I believe? I think that all religions, you know, have truth. And and at this point, I had graduated from saying all religions, you know, could be equally true to okay. all have truth, but maybe Christianity has more truth um, or even the most truth. And and the more I started delving into scripture and asking questions, um, by this point, the young lady that I was dating um, had uh, had basically given me an ultimatum. You can ask our pastor. Don't ask. She's eating him. Well, now, so it sounds to me like uh, we have two things going on here. There is a great deal of emotional stress right. that you're dealing with, but you also had questions that were much more foundational. Uh, what does it mean? What does life mean? Where is it headed? And uh, of those two, is there one that is more, uh, there was a stronger pull on you than the other? Uh, was it emotional? Or was it intellectual? Which one was the oh, stronger? Uh, that's hard to say. Um, they were par- probably intertwined. I think they were. It's funny how they weren't necessarily chronologically intertwined. I think they were They were definitely intertwined, but not in a way that I could see in the moment. It's only okay. looking back and sure. like piecing it together and that I can make any sense of it. So maybe both, for most people, probably emotions and questions are a bundle. They come together. Yeah. Uh, questions may come because of emotions. Right. So what role did apologetics have in your life? And apologetics is, it comes from a Greek word meaning apologia, uh, the Greek right, word yeah. apologia meaning to give an answer. Right. And so when we say Christian apologetics, we're talking about being able to provide answers for, for questions that people like you, like we all have, but like you had. Tell me about that, apologetics in your life. Yeah, apologetics was huge in my um, coming to faith, my um, understanding and sifting through all the, you know, all the the propositional baggage, Mm -hmm. maybe if I can put it that way, um, that I had to sort through, like, all these different ideas um, that I had been exposed to. So early on in my Christian walk, it was apologetics- and it was resources like I mean I, I probably Googled or searched gotquestions.com. <laughs> I mean thousands. Of, I I, don't, I can't number how many times um, for various things and and um, I remember. So my mom had actually given me uh, a resource called the Apologetic Study Bible, and she had given that to me when I was twelve. It took me five or six or seven years to actually open it. And begin reading it seriously. Um, but I remembered when I was 12, I had read, you know, at least part of it. And it mm-hmm. was the story of Lee Strobel, how he had yes. gone from a hard skeptic to um, investigating to finally being persuaded um, that, that the resurrection of Christ uh, was a historical event that happened. And I remembered that. And um, and so I, I devoured 
this resource that I had. I mean, it was the Bible that it was scripture that I was reading for the first time, but it also had all of these questions that, that were instrumental in helping me right. sift through all that because it, you know, how, how do you know that the Bible is correct? Um, or, or, you know, how do you know that the old Testament is, is, you know, ethical or mm-hmm. that the canon of scripture was passed down, um, you know, reliably or that, you know, this, the, that the, you can believe the Bible, the word of God and not reject, you know, sure, um, sure. uh, objective truth or science or any number of things, um, and the, I'm going to throw in here, too, in case someone is not familiar with this Bible. It was fairly new, probably, when you got it. And uh, it has more than 100 articles. And these are uh, articles put in at different places in, in the Scripture uh, to help you answer some of these questions, whether it's about um, evolution or Christian science or, like you said, the Old Testament, how can we trust Scripture? And so they're, they're helps. They're meant to be to answer questions right. that you were struggling with. Right, and I had so many questions, and there were so many answers. I mean, there were... Yeah. There were you know, not not every answer, not every question can be answered. I think in this lifetime, mm-hmm. um, but there were some pretty good ones. There, <laughs> there were some. I mean, there there were so many questions or uh, dilemmas, intellectually speaking, that that were obstacles to me truly believing and and taking God's word um, for what, for what it is. Um, you know, there are. Apparent contradictions or paradoxes, um, you know, dis- apparent discrepancies mm-hmm. in Scripture it itself be, right? that it, it really takes further, deeper study to resolve or to, to sort through um, or at least to trust God for. Mm-hmm. And you found that there were answers to these. Absolutely. As you say, obviously there'd be some questions we never have the answer to completely right. on this side of heaven, but apologetics has helped you find a lot of these answers. Is that Absolutely, right? Absolutely, yeah. I would say that at this point in my life, it would be less. It would it would be more of it would be more of an illogical blind leap to to go back. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's as if uh-huh. that's, I don't know if I can. That's an interesting way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't. Oh, sorry. I was going to. Uh, what it sounds like to me is that um, you're getting some of the very basic questions of life answered. As you came uh, began to study Christianity, those basic questions of who am I, uh, what's wrong with the world, what's the solution to the world, those are worldview questions. Right. And uh, when you start there and you find the answers that the Bible can give you, then it's easier than to fill in the other other blanks. Uh, before we go, I want to ask you about um, being able now to respond to other people. I think a lot of your questions, a lot of your experiences are things that, that many people have, that um, we have a lot of people in in this world, in our country, that that struggle. Um, is God using all that you've been through to reach and help other people? Well, I really hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I, tr- I mean, I, I would say that, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no way that God couldn't use, use that, I guess. Um, and it's not all, it's not necessarily anything, um, 
profound or, or even, I haven't, I feel like I haven't seen a lot of real influence, um, in others' lives yet. Although I'm, mm-hmm. I'm still, you know, um, by comparison, f- fairly new in, in my walk. And, mm-hmm. um, so I've had conversations with uh, my brother, who is a genius, um, and I think he's a misguided genius. <laughs> um, man, his beliefs—I mean, he—he he explained it all out to me one time, and it was—I mean, it was breathtaking. The scope of the mm. complexity of—I mean, his theory of like the multiverse—it's crazy. Um, but anyway, so I've talked with him, I've talked to my dad, uh, I've talked to others, um, even, uh, friends, um, coworkers, uh, for instance, there's a, there's a coworker and a friend really, I guess, um, that I met since I moved here to New Orleans who here, it's kind of a melting pot of so many different things. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, most of my coworkers are a blend of, um, of Vietnamese Buddhism and Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Um, and this particular friend that I have, um, he's actually Honduran. Um, and, uh, and when I met him, he was claiming to be Buddhist. I think by now he may be closer to Christianity. I'm not mm-hmm. sure, but, uh, we've had great conversations and, um, maybe the best conversations I've ever had with another person on these sorts of things, because he would start with all these objections and all these you know, well, Christianity is fine for you, but, uh, I, I can't do it, you know, for these intellectual reasons. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's just the virtue of this particular man that he's willing to listen to my responses. Um, cause that unfortunately doesn't happen with most of the people I talk to about this. <laughs> but, um, but every single, uh, question or objection, uh, we would talk about and, and he would say, wow, maybe actually the reason I'm not a Christian isn't because there aren't answers, but because I've been lazy. And I haven't taken the time to to research it. Well, this is um, hearing your story and knowing what you're involved in and how you're able to talk to people. I think, uh, and this is probably a good place where we can stop for now, and that is that uh, God uses all these questions that we work through, the experiences that we go through, and he uses that to... um, let our own knowledge of him be very rich and deep and then be able to talk to other people and to say, I know what it's like. There are answers. Let me walk with you. This has been great. Thank you very much, Dylan, for sharing. Thank you. Hey, it's Gary and Joe here again. Would you do us a favor? If you like this podcast, go to iTunes and leave us a review. This would mean the world to us. Thanks. Thanks.